With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. HN Podcast, Miller and Dace. On a day when there was some uh, breaking news, I guess it's the day after the day, on Sunday night, the 8th day of July, um, DJ Carton, basketball, five-star basketball prospect point guard from the state of Iowa, chose to narrow down his field from six to three, and the three schools that are still in his consideration are Indiana, Ohio State, and Michigan, whereas Iowa, Xavier, and I don't know who the other team was that didn't make it, doesn't really matter, were cut from his list, which of course led to a great deal of discussion on Twitter. We'll dive into some of that, but what were your general thoughts at that, Steve, as, as it relates to its impact, significance, relevance to Iowa and the basketball program? I'm going to do something I rarely do. Oh, boy. I'm going to defer up front because... You're going to get back the time? <laughs> I'm going to do it because you're the fan. You have a broader and more intimate perspective. And I want to gauge that... I want to... Before I jump in the pool, I want to gauge the temperature of the water to make sure I'm swimming in the right end. So I'm going to defer to you first. Well, there's some sharks in this water. Um, I, you I know, know the reason I'm going to defer to you first. Go right, get them. Right. Yes. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, you know, if Twitter is an accurate gauge of a fan base, which it's not, um, but it, it is the, you know, it's the new message board. Um, not even new to use the term. It's the, the, the message board of 2018. And message boards continue to fade and fade and becoming more and more a thing of the past that are just relics of an age demographic that is very soon not going to matter at all. No offense to anybody. I'm a part of that demographic. So uh, the knee-jerk reaction was doom, gloom, oh no, Fran's got to go. Um, obviously, he's not the right guy, this, that, or the other. And uh, a friend of mine were texting back and forth during Carton's announcement. And I just was, I was saying to him, and, and he, he brought up some interesting points as well, and kind of the gist of that conversation that I tweeted about today in a tweet storm was folks yak like i was always gotten the best talent from in-state maybe that was the case in 1960 or 1950 or 1970 maybe even 1980 even extended into the 90s but you know the last time iowa in the last 30 years the last 29 years so I'm talking B.J. Armstrong, Roy Marble, and Ed Horton have just played their last game for the University of Iowa. Okay, So we're talking 29 years ago. Iowa has been to one Sweet 16 since then. One. Iowa has had one player drafted in the first round of the NBA draft since then. And that was Ricky Davis, a one-and-dunner back in, was it 97 or 98? So it's been 20 years since then, but there's been one in 29 years. 
Uh, or rather two, I'm sorry. A.C. Earl was 1993. So we're talking two in 29 years. We're talking about a program that has probably missed more NCAA tournaments than has made it in the last 29 years, or it's very even, but that's also very front-loaded with Tom Davis and his trips. I think they've been there six times since Davis left. We're talking about a basketball program that's really not relevant at all on the national stage. And in the Big Ten, it fights to be on the good side of the middle of the pack. And can be. Fourth, fifth, sixth, somewhere in there. That's what it's fighting for on a year-in, year-out basis. So I guess as much as anything, I kind of want to say, check yourself. Stay in your lane. Know who and what you are. And a lot of people out there saying, well, we should be this and we should that be that. Based on what? I mean, I wish I had more hair, but it ain't happening. We all wish for a lot of things. But at the end of the day, the reality is the reality. I mean, DJ Carton had an opportunity to go play at a lot of places. Heck, he still may get some more offers. But what about Michigan? I mean, they're playing for the national championship, what, two of the last four or five years? Is that right? Two of the last four or five, Steve? They've played. they been in the championship game? Yes, two of the last 2013, 14, 15, 16. Two of the last six. Okay, so two of the last six years, they've played for the national championship. So six years, DJ Carton's probably 17, turning 18. He can remember that. You know what he remembers about Iowa from his cognizant memory, maybe since he's been seven years old? Not a very good team. Not a very successful team. Three, maybe four NCAA tournaments. One of those was uh, you know, the play-in. What about Indiana? They haven't been great during his time, but gosh, I think they were like either number one or number two NCAA seed probably six, seven years ago. Um, and they have one of the most rich storied traditions ever. So when you go make a campus visit there to take in their basketball program, it's a lot different than coming over to Carver-Hawkeye. What about Ohio State? Now, you know, has, they haven't been as successful the last two or three years as they were, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, but they have that success to draw on. And they had a good year last year. Iowa can't hold a candle to any of those programs as far as a basketball program is concerned. Can't. DJ Carton has to buy in to a vision to come to an Iowa over those programs. Some players do. Uh, Joe Wieskamp, dude was a borderline five-star player anyway. And if he wouldn't have committed to Iowa so early, it's likely he, it's very likely he might have been. And certainly would have had far more blue blood offers. Uh, it's not like Iowa hasn't gotten some good talent, but you finished last in the Big Ten last year, or, or close to it, second to last, whatever it was. I mean, four and eight, four and fourteen. It's a hard sell, and you know, as much as anything, if if you want to take off on Fran McCaffrey's for something, don't 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 choose this hill. Choose the 2014 and 2015 recruiting classes that included nine players, eight of which left early eight of which left early some names you might not even remember I mean, andrew fleming had a great night in the ptl one night or a couple of nights dale jones ahmad wagner who was not a good offensive player at all brady ellington transferred to drake um there was a, a trey dickerson juco point guard didn't do much of anything 
Brandon Hutton. I don't know that he ever played. All these guys, you know, just a bunch of evaluation misses. That's a bigger deal for last year's team because those guys would have been juniors and seniors. Dominique Ewell was a part of that. So to me, that's the hill to choose. DJ Carton, not getting the top players in the state every year. I was never done that. Rafe LaFrance, Nick Collison, Kirk Heinrich, um, the kid from Ames, uh, Harrison Barnes. I mean, Iowa State's not getting those guys either. When they're elite like this, they swim in deep waters, and they're going up against the bluest of the blue bloods. Now, Ohio State isn't necessarily that in basketball right now, but Michigan's brand is a strong brand, and they've got a coach that gets a lot of great pub, a guy that everybody seems to love, and that's not a knock on Fran McCaffrey. You know what? Fran McCaffrey, for, for all the attention that some of his outbursts get, is he losing players left and right to transfer? No. He's actually not. After last season and the malaise that took place and all of us saying, oh, man, there's a lot of rumblings. How many players did he lose because of anything other than playing time? None. Brady Ellingson went to Drake. Brady Ellingson wasn't in the plans. He was sent to the nether regions of the bench last year, so he went to Drake where he can play his last year and go along. So I, I, that falls short. McCaffrey must have a really good relationship with his players. So I just think people overreact, Steve, but I get the desire to want to be something more than what you are. But at the end of the day, Iowa basketball, the last 30 years, basically shows us what they are. What's more realistic? And, and then some people saying, well, we used to get McDonald's All-Americans. Dude, the last McDonald's All-American Iowa got was in 1993, and it was Chris Kingsbury. That was 25 years ago. You know what took place or what hadn't taken place 25 years prior to Chris Kingsbury coming to Iowa? Man had yet to walk on the moon. That's how long 25 years is. It's an eternity. It's an eternity, especially when we're talking about 16, 17-year-old players that have no idea who and what he is. Kenyon Murray was a McDonald's All-American the year before that. It's 26 years ago. Iowa hasn't swam in those waters with the exception of one brief period in my life as far as getting that level of talent in consistently, and that was the George Raveling era. And Iowa fans should probably be very happy that Iowa didn't go on probation during that time based upon everything I've heard from former players of that era. That's the sort of thing it takes. And Fran McCaffrey, he ain't cheating. Matter of fact, he's saying he'll turn cheaters in. So it is what it is. And maybe at 47 years old, I'd sit back and say it's a little fait accompli. Hey, how about you just finish off a year when you have a, you know, you're climbing to the top 10 in the rankings and you're 16 and 3 and you don't spit the bit down the stretch and become a 7 or 8 seed, just finish strong and be a 4 or 5. That's how you advance in the tournament. That's how you get to a sweet 16 is to not be an 8, 9, 10, or 11 seed finish the deal and I think that is about the best Iowa can hope for a blue moon sweet 16 or maybe once every decade still feels a little blue moon but not once every quarter century not once every 29 years but that's the reality so 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 who's who's you know you want to say I'm Debbie Downer or I'm a defeatist gotta tell you Realism seems to be on my side of the debate here. It's not what I want. It's just what is. 29 years is a long sampling of time in this sport. And the Iowa basketball program, it just ain't that. So that's all I got to say.
I'm glad I let you go first. Um, I agree with the broader points you made about where criticism is better well-directed. I disagree with you about expectations. Um, and here's why. Steve Dace, we're in, man of the people. Uh, <laughs> we're in an era, this isn't football, where you have to field 22 players. It's basketball. Uh, where we have, it's easier and more abundant to get good talent than ever before. You mentioned Michigan. John Beeline's gone to two NCAA finals in the last six years. He's put nine, go- nine guys in the NBA. One of them was a McDonald's All-American, and he had to sit the game out for injury, Mitch McGarry. Um, I think that you can absolutely uh, build pro- – when George Mason, when VCU, when Marquette, and not the Al McGuire Marquette, when these are teams that can go to Final Fours – when Wichita State can be a number one seat, there is simply no reason that a program with Iowa's fan support, the league that it's in, demographics matter a lot less because again, we're not fielding 22 players. You really just need a couple of difference makers. And if the rest of those guys know their roles, right away you have an NCAA tournament team. Can I jump in real quick? You bet. You just said something. You just need a couple of difference makers, okay? Mm-hmm. I think that's true, but you need a couple of difference makers at the right position. And I'm going to that next. Tyler Cook. Okay. Tyler Cook is a four-star. Yep. Luca Garza is a four-star. Joe Wieskamp is a four-star. Patrick McCaffrey is a four-star. That is four four-stars over three recruiting classes, and frankly, I can't remember the last time Iowa did that but you're missing a key component, which is Captain Ahab's white whale that continues to elude him, and that's point guard. Indeed, and this is where I do think um, I do think the criticism should be primarily placed at the lack of player identification and development in certain areas, as you pointed out. But in this particular case, I don't think it's absent of criticism either, and here's why. I'm not a recruitnik. That does not mean I don't follow recruiting. It just means I'm not obsessed with what the 79th ranked right guard is doing, and you know what, who, what, what hat he wore to school that afternoon. Okay, I'm well aware of who the top recruits are. I follow it on that level, but you know, only in the last year, really, or two, has my favorite team started recruiting in basketball in those circles. So. I didn't know what the hell a Muhammad Ali Abdur Rahman was until he arrived on campus. And it wasn't until his junior year that I knew it was that I found out it was Muhammad Ali Abdur and not Muhammad Abdur Ali. I didn't know what it even stood for. Okay. So recruitment to me becomes now you're almost at to catch a predator, creepy, following these guys on Twitter. I'm not that. But I'm a, I'm fully aware of who top recruits are and things of that nature. Now the way I look at it in football for a program like Iowa is I don't think when you have a proven developmental program, Wisconsin would be at a level higher than Iowa. Michigan State, when they're really good, would be at a level of that higher than Iowa. But Iowa's at a pretty high level as a developmental football program. So for those sorts of schools, I almost think recruiting rankings are irrelevant because they've proven on the field they know how to identify and and develop talent. In fact, the irony is, most of the off-field problems Michigan State's football program has had the last couple of years came from the 2017 class 
when D'Antonio decided he actually needed to get some offseason splash to compete with Harbaugh, got his highest ranked class, and now like Donnie Corley and almost all those guys are gone from assaults and sexual, uh, you know, allegations and everything else. So to me, for when you're when you've proven you can develop, then like Iowa has in football at a certain level, you know, yeah, you don't want to have a 68th ranked recruiting class. But there's really no difference for Kirk Ferentz, whether his class is 29th or 39th. It's really not that much different. All right. Could kind of get the same results. When 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 you look at this in basketball, though, I think it matters when you don't have that record of, of, of what your what the recruiting rankings say and what they don't say. And when you've got somebody in your own backyard, one thing that DJ Carton did this week, I don't think I have ever seen before. Eliminate the local team in his first round of cuts. I've never seen that. Never seen it. I, I can think of with a major recruit from a you know from an area. I mean, I I just I was I was stunned when he did that. He did Iowa a favor, uh, probably, in a way, um, by letting you know up front you're not on my radar. That's bad though too. How the hell are you not on our radar? I mean, we're the local team. We play a fun brand of basketball. Look at some of the other talent we've assembled. The thing holding us back is who you are. And I'm and and you're not even interested enough to make this go until the early signing period in November. You cut us out at the beginning of the July evaluation period and you do so for uh, an Indiana program that, of course, has the proudest basketball tradition in our league, but um, has a second-year unproven head coach that didn't really do much in his first year. For Ohio State, that you know their head coach did very, very well. They actually already had, in this coming class, this year, they've got a big-time point guard at Ohio State coming in. So Carton would have to play with him. I, 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 I don't... I, I think that sends a terrible message. It means that either a you didn't identify him early enough. You know, I follow Michigan's that's that, basketball, and, and that's and that's not the case. And that's not the case. I would agree. You know, because even if it were the case, Michigan just got wind of him like three months ago, and now over at twenty four seven, they're eighty percent of the crystal balls. Now I think Indiana is much more in this than the analysts are giving him credit for, but that should never happen, man. Not with a local kid and that kind of position of need at the not losing him to John Beeline, who's a Hall of Famer, isn't uh, isn't the problem. Losing him in the July eval period before we four months before National Signing Day. I think it sends a terrible message. Um, It's the recruit you absolutely had to get. You just mentioned a bunch of in-state guys that left before. You know, Harrison Barnes was pretty much the final nail in Greg McDermott's car coffin uh race lefense kirk uh, kirk heinrich and those guys in 90 uh in, in the er, in the mid 90s tom davis that was the advent of marty and miller sports radio in des moines tom davis got destroyed when those guys left kirk heinrich and nick collison that was 99 2000 if i remember right it was a lame know. duck year yeah it was a lame duck year exactly those are those are the examples of when coaches were run out or on their last legs at their at their current big in state school. At the very least, Greg McDermott can say, I used having this kid in my backyard and my son as his teammate 
I at least made him think about me until the last possible day before he Skyped in Roy Williams. To just get immediately dismissed, if I were an Iowa fan, and it's not my place to tell Iowa fans what they, what they should think. I will tell you, if I were one, given where we're at, what I think we can accomplish, I think Iowa can absolutely get to a Final Four. Absolutely, I do. Hell, I think Iowa State should have gone to a Final Four two, three years ago and probably would have if DeAndre Kane would have turned his ankle. So when, when you look at that kid, you're not even in his final running. You can't make a compelling enough case for him to stay home. You're not losing him like Iowa State lost Harrison Barnes to North Carolina, like Iowa and Iowa State lost Collison and Heinrich and LaFrance to Kansas. You're losing him to three teams in your own league. That, that's a huge statement. I don't know how you can avoid that. And while I typically agree, Twitter's not America. I tell my political audience that all the time. Most Americans are still, regardless of how they vote, if you're nice to them, will return the favor. America's not Twitter. And you're right, Twitter has become, in sports, the new message boards. But just as we used to say when message boards ruled when you and I were on the air, that they're not, uh, they're not the total fan base. They do represent, though, a portion of the fan base, without question, that generates a lot of media coverage. This narrative is bad for the Iowa program, no question about it. And I, I just... I, I would love to know, because I have followed his recruitment very closely the last couple of months, and I've just never seen him say a word about Iowa or Fran McCaffrey. Um, uh, and, and I've constantly seen him talk about Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio State. And I guess that's, now that I think about it, I shouldn't have predicted the other day that he, Iowa would be in his final three, which I did. I just couldn't contemplate. I've never seen the local the kid just throw the local school overboard right off right off the right off the shoot so i i i don't know what exactly all this says none of it though is good and it's this it's the position that absolutely has held this program back more than any other he's gift wrapped in your own backyard and you can't make a compelling enough case that he will at least give you until the fall signing period to show where you're at as a program, I, I don't know that you can dismiss that, John. I just I yeah. Don't. Listen, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying that there aren't valid, correct, apt aspects to your points. I'm just saying from my fandom, and I certainly don't speak for all Iowa fans, but from my fandom, I just don't expect them to get guys like this. And that, and that, maybe it's just the beat down fact. You know, when they lost Marcus Page several years ago, that was easily and far more easily explained because that was during the Licklider dig out and, and McCaffrey had a lot of catch up to do. And that's the type of player that they need. And to me, again, the biggest knock on McCaffrey isn't that he's not trying to get these guys. Every year he's tried to go out and get really good point guards and even in one year with Tyler Eulis Tyler Eulis wasn't really he was an off John, the radar he was turn, off the radar to, guy and then all of a sudden pardon me my turn to interject for just a second losing page to arguably the greatest program in the history of this sport is one thing losing carton to three schools in your own league oh i get it is yeah. entirely another for sure for sure McCaffrey's inability to recruit 
Sienna level guards is just the most frustrating thing to me about his era. Far, more so than even you know last year's defense. Just it's a guards game, and you can't get guards that can penetrate. And and I I, I don't like doing this sometimes because it makes you know I'm not like I'm not ripping Jordan Bohannon. I love Jordan Bohannon. Not ripping Mike Cassell. Loved watching him play. Anthony Clemens was a great contributor. But Iowa just hasn't had guards that can penetrate off the dribble, and you have to have that in the, this game, in this, in this era. And if you don't, you have a ceiling. And that ceiling is eight or nine seed in the NCAA tournament when you play in the Big Ten. This is what it is, unless you got a gimmick. And that was, that's what Tom Davis did for the majority of his career when he, played, when he was playing kids that he recruited and wasn't gift-wrapped the most talented roster in Iowa basketball history. One of the most talented in Big Ten history, for that matter. They were a two, two wins above 500 in Big Ten play team, Tom Davis's last 10 years at Iowa. And they were a 7-8-9 seed in the NCAA tournament. And that's pretty much the, the realistic ceiling. But you should be able to recruit better guards. And that's just been um, that's been the big challenge. So anyway, right, let's put let, let, let's put a final bow on this by me asking you this question, if you don't mind. Okay. If you're the next guy on Iowa's point guard list, and let's say you're a top 100 kid, all right, and you probably, if you're a top 100 point guard, you know that's the that's that's also what makes the Carton issue so problematic. Is he's he's what we call. He's what we call in Michigan fan circles because our coach gets – we went from um, essentially inventing the method of, of milking the system to now we have, who is peers vote, the cleanest coach in the sport. We went from one extreme to the other in my lifetime, okay? So we went from teaching George Raveling how to do it to now we have a coach that won't jaywalk. And – we have this saying at Michigan when it comes to basketball recruiting, a recruitable five-star, a recruitable four-star, meaning a kid serious about academics who's not on the take with a shoe, who's right. not getting paid under the table with a shoe company, all right? Right. So this is a re- he's become a five-star. He was about a top 100 kid about six months ago. He has soared, talking about Carton, he has soared in the camp circuit in the last few months. He's now a five-star. So he's what we call a recruitable five-star. To have a recruitable five-star means he probably has the same offer list as your next point guard prospect who's maybe a top 100 kid because if he was an unrecruitable five-star for a school like Michigan or Iowa, then he'd be looking at Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina, right? Okay, so you go into that, that next kid's living room, and his, his, he's probably down to a lot of the same schools that D.J. Carton was down to. Probably even familiar with D.J. Carton's recruitment because he recognizes he's the next tier of prospect. When he says to Fran McCaffrey, or one of his, or his uncle who handles his recruitment does, or mom does, when she says, or he says, well, you had this kid in your own backyard, and you didn't make the cut with him, so, I mean, why, why would I want to go to school there when the kid in your own backyard um, wasn't interested? Your answer is what? Well, I, I, unfortunately, that's that question is moot because here are the two guys that I was targeting, Andre Gordon and Noah Hutchins. This, according to an article on Hawkeye Nation from Rob Howe, free for everyone. Andre Gordon, six two one eighty from Sydney, Ohio. 
he reports offers from Loyola, Chicago, Tulsa, Dayton, Illinois State, Akron, Kent State, and a few others, with Iowa, Clemson, Ohio State, Nebraska, Wisconsin, looking to scout him this month. The other kid, the um, Noah Hutchins, 5'11", 165, water bug from Buffalo, um, reports offers from Temple, Wake Forest, and others, meaning, you know, not necessarily big time. 38th ranked point guard in the nation in the 19 class, number 11 player in New York. So it's not really the uh, – It's not, I don't even think it's that cut you're talking about per se with three other mm-hmm. offers. And, and Hutchins, you know, 5'11", five, five, 165, probably means 5'10", 150. Um, and I'm, I'm not dogging him. Listen, I'll take a guy like that. If he can penetrate, if he can penetrate, sign me up. I'll take it. So – well, he's 165 pounds. He's he's not playing much in the Big Ten his first season. Well, no. Regardless, regardless of how quick he, he is. doesn't have to. It's like next year, Jordan Bohannon will be there. Patrick or Connor McCaffrey will be playing eight minutes a game. You know, so he won't have to do that. All right. Um, transition to football. On Tuesday or Monday, rather, the ninth, uh, Iowa announced that uh, Manny Regumba cornerback starting cornerback you know last summer everybody was freaked out that Iowa was going to be playing against Wyoming and quarterback Josh Allen without their best cornerback in Manny Ragumba who was going to be suspended for that game and he was suspended for it and boy by the end of the season he was benched and Iowa's secondary led the nation in interceptions mostly without Ragumba and Josh Jackson led the nation in interceptions and made himself a lot of money. So this, this can sound a little bit like the fans like, ah, eh, don't need him. Never knew him kind of a deal. And I wish Manny all the best. Yeah. I have nothing against Manny. It's uh, this is kind of a position right now with what I was got going on and how well they're rolling with uh, draft picks and Phil Parker's coaching and the talent that they've actually had coming in in recent years at this position. I'm not really all that worried. I mean, yeah, he he started what seven, eight, nine games, but by the end of the year, he was benched. So, okay. Well, you know, I've got because we're going to talk about what Athlon says about Iowa here in a second, and I've got my Athlons uh, opened up to the Iowa page right now, and it's funny because in when they list Iowa's too deep, uh, they've got Manny listed as a returning starter in bold, but they have him second string. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that kind of gives you. Um, uh, yeah, uh, kind of the picture here. Uh, I think this is, it's a little bit like last summer, Wisconsin had a couple of linebacker injuries. Remember this? Yeah. Okay. We were all like freaking out. And then I listened to a show, uh, a pod, a college football podcast. It was a Michigan one actually. And it came up and the analyst they had on was like, guys, I, honestly, at this point, unless you're telling me they're down to like their fourth stringers, I mean, have we not seen enough over the years that it kind of almost doesn't matter what the name on the back of the jersey of a Wisconsin linebacker is? They all look and run the same. Are we really? Do we really believe it's going to make that much of a difference? Yeah, the, you know confu- the confusion of the scheme is so good. Right. We got to the season. That analysis turned out to be right. So, you know, if you were telling me this was something that the Iowa program has rarely been able to achieve, which is – a guy that, um, and when they have, you know, we remember the names. The guy who can come off the edge without a blitz and consistently put pressure on the quarterback. If it was that guy, I'd be worried, okay? But 
given that number one Iowa scheme defensively doesn't overly tax your corners and coverage to begin with and B as you just pointed out what they've actually done on the field the last couple of years in developing guys and putting guys in the NFL and this even goes back to early in the Ferentz era when guys like Sean Considine went from nobody recruits to NFL draft picks and safety um, I'm not really that concerned about it yeah yeah let's go to the Apple on quick Steve our favorite segment um section of this magazine what opposing coaches say anonymously about teams and in the bigger 10 podcast we'll go into this more with uh the rest of the league but let's just focus on what the coaches or coach or whatever had to say about iowa quoting here there are a few guys in our business as genuine and loyal as kirk ferentz i respect him greatly but i also realize he has a great gig he goes eight and five and they love him he goes one step forward one year and two steps back the next, and they love him. I wish it was like that for all of us, but more and more I'm beginning to think it's like that for only one of us, not just in this league, but the entire country, end quote. Uh, how, we have been doing this for years, these Athlon Anonymous quotes, coach quotes. This is among my favorite ones of all time, Okay. I just think it's I, – what I think what I love about it is it's the kind of thing I wouldn't expect a coach to say even anonymously, but we always wonder if they think like this privately, okay? And so you got to start thinking of a coach because I always try to guess, too, who would say this, you know? Like I don't think like a Pat Fitzgerald would say this because he's at a school where if they go 8-5, and five, dude, he's getting a freaking statue, yeah. okay? So if you want to talk about a guy who, who has – who, who the fans love him no matter whether their record's five and seven or nine and three. It's Pat Fitzgerald, okay? So I don't think it was somebody like him. You know, I could see it being, and we don't know that it's a head coach either. It could be an assistant coach, you know? Right. right. I, mean, I could see this being a coach at Michigan because a lot of the old school Michigan people have huge regard for Ferentz. Lloyd Carr, that was his personal hand-picked successor when he retired in 07 was Kirk Ferentz. That's who he wanted. All right, so I could see it, and I could see the Michigan staff being pissed off that everybody's talking about they're on the hot seat for going 28 and 11. Okay, saying something like that, I could see that. And the programs run similar pro style, you know, conventional attacks because you got to think it's a school, it's at a place where a coach has high expectations and maybe hasn't quite reached them, right? Like, I don't think PJ Fleck would say that, he's only in his second year, right? I could see Levy Smith saying that. You know, at Illinois, you know, I could see him saying something like that. But don't you think don't you try to guess who would say stuff like this sometimes? Yeah, I do. And and this I think you're probably right in this regard. It seems like it would be an assistant. But if, if we were to try and ascribe which head coach might be most likely to say this, Lovey's probably a guy, especially when we get to what uh, opposing coaches said about him coming up in the next podcast. All right. Picking back up. Quote, no matter what happens year after year, as teams always get one or two big wins that make you think, boy, they could be really good. Then every four or five years, they get one of those special seasons that makes everyone in Iowa think that's why he's our coach. <laughs> there are about 120-something coaches in FBS envious of his situation. So that's a continuation of the last thing. When I see that, I, it makes me think that it's less likely to be Lovey and, and somebody that's maybe a little more long in the tooth in the league. Maybe like a, a Mark D'Antonio, actually. 
Yeah, I could see that too. And, you know, it's funny because Athlons has the five-year win trend for all the teams. So if you just look up the next page after that quote, here's Iowa's win trend last five years, 8, 7, 12, 8, 8. Exactly what that coach just said. Exactly what he just said in that quote is what is the graphic right next to it. With I, think it's D'Antonio. I think it's D'Antonio. I think it's D'Antonio. Yep. But why would he be complaining? His he, he, dude, he went three and nine, three and nine. Like I, one of my favorite things I saw on Twitter recently is um, Brayton Gall, the college football writer for Athlons, and he was taking heat from Michigan State fans that didn't think Mark D'Antonio was being ranked high enough when he ranked Big Ten coaches, and he's like, guys you realize that among Harbaugh, Urban Meyer, James Franklin, and Mark D'Antonio, when I, in my national coach rankings, I have all four of those guys in the top 12 nationally. Are we really, really going to argue that one guy's eighth and one guy's 12th? Who freaking cares? I pretty much have them all among the best coaches in the country. And one Michigan State fan tweeted him, and in this, I was watching this go back and forth. One Michigan State fan tweeted him and says, how come D'Antonio doesn't get any credit? For taking a three and nine team to ten and three last year, that's funny. And Braden Gall retweeted him and goes presented without comment. Okay, so this is a guy that went three and nine, and there was not even a hint that he was in trouble for doing that kind of a record. Why would Mark Antonio be lamenting someone else's good fortune from a fan expectation standpoint? I mean, I, that's there's logic there. I, it's difficult to find, think who it would be other than him. But the perfect me. head coach to say this. When you look at circumstance and everything, is Harbaugh. You just have a hard time. I just don't think Jim Harbaugh is talking to any of these guys. Yes, I know. <laughs> Not I a chance. I don't. I agree with you. That's why I said I could see an assistant at Michigan. Like, there's no way, even if they called, he would even return the call. You're exactly right about that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Harbaugh is even worse in terms of media exposure than Lloyd Carr was. He's just not as much of a jerk about it as Lloyd was, but. I could see an assistant on the Michigan staff saying this because there, there's really no other coaching staff in the league who probably feels like, hey, we've done pretty well and everybody's complaining. Tell me who else that would be. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, last thing, how about Nate Stanley? What a surprise he was and did he ever produce? When was the last time Iowa had a quarterback put up those type of numbers and that few turnovers? He's the kind of player who can lead that lead to that special season. Um, Ricky Stanzi in 2010 had similar numbers to that, and then prior to that probably... Drew uh, Tate. Or J- James, James Vandenberg actually had yeah. numbers yeah. like that um, prior to the horrible, sorry, we ruined your career 2012 season. And then uh, Brad Banks. Those would be the ones. Also keep in mind, these are opposing coaches. Yeah. So... It's not one coach giving all of these quotes. Like Correct. I would imagine, I would imagine this came from somebody probably either in Iowa's division or they played last year. They got a look at Nathan Stanley up close because they had to. They played against him, watched him on film, etc. Right. Um, then this is the last one. They always play above their ceiling on defense. And last year they had a ton of interceptions from a bunch of guys that just played hard and didn't act like stars. And I think almost the playing above your ceiling to me makes sounds like the, the whole is consistently greater than the sum of the parts, which is absolutely true. Let me give you a couple of quick stats. One quick stat. Uh, one of the things, and, and this I think is the best Athlon's football preview they've ever put out. 
And I, you know, for a lot of years, I'd just buy it because it was like the first one out and I would just want it some football, you know? But I mean, the last few years, it's gotten so much better. But this year's edition is so good. And there's a lot of advanced Saber metrics in this year's edition. And there's stats like this for every team, like they have for Iowa. Opponents completed just 257 of 459 passes against the Hawkeyes last year. That's 56%. And of those 202 incompletions, 93 of them, 46%, were caused by either an interception or a, or a PBU. That was the second best rate in the FBS wow. last year. Okay? Wow. So, no, I don't think Manny Arumba will make a difference in what – now, let me rephrase that. If there's like – if, if Iowa has a, 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 a typical Iowa running back here at corner – then Manny Rumba's you know, absence matters, right? Because you needed a body, okay? Short of that, I don't think it'll make the difference in the outcome of one game this fall. Yeah, you just pulled the rug out from underneath Rugumba. Manny Rumba. Did I, I like that. Rumba? Yeah, you, pull, you pulled the rug out from under him. You know, it's funny as I'm sitting here looking right at his name. <laughs> I like when you do things like that because then people know you're not uh, a I'm not, cyborg. I'm not Rain Man. That you're not a yeah. cyborg. You, you I actually... used to be. Those, those are the mistakes I did not make at 35 that I'm making more often now at 45. What's your name again? Yeah, well, at, at, at 35, you just edit them out. At 45, we leave them in for the for the. You humor. know what's funny, too, is I could tell you Iowa's entire defensive backfield probably in 1985. Oh, yeah. And I barely can remember who started last year. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I don't get that, but it is what it is. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that for sure. All right, that'll do it for this installment of the HN Podcast. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.